We live in a time where masculinity is shamed and men don't know what it means to be a man. As a pastor and counselor, I've spent the better part of my life equipping and training others. My goal with this show is to translate my hard-earned experience into tools and tactics to help you become stronger as a man. This is the Brave Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Bellant. All right, well, this week I get to be with one of my good friends, Aaron Zent. Aaron, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, Yeah, man. It's so fun. Uh, This is actually part two. Most people won't know that it was part two, but Mm -hmm. just last week we... um, for the podcast, we showed your uh, conversation that you had on what is it, what is it called? Porn is not the problem, or the problem with porn, something like that. One of those, yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, from our conference last mm-hmm. year, and that was such a awesome conversation, and I think such a foundational conversation for men mm-hmm. uh, that we wanted to bring you in and and go deeper, asking awesome. more questions, and kind of like in my mind, I have in my mind like. If, if we were with a whole bunch of people, what would the questions be? Yeah. What's our typical, um, Q and a, uh, deal for that. So anyways, but before I, I jump into that, mm-hmm. um, you wrote a book, yeah, which is called from none from numb to known without the from, but yes, numb <laughs> to known. Yes. Numb yeah. to known. And man, I'm so proud of you. Why don't you talk Thanks, a little man. bit about your book and what the journey was for you to, yeah. to write that and all that. Yeah, well, um, I had actually written a version of the book uh, a couple of years ago, and it was really just kind of a brain dump of, I, I've been talking to guys on a weekly basis at our men's group about all this stuff, and I just say the same thing over and over and over, um, but I think it it's things that people need to hear over and over and over before they yeah. really sinks in, because it's not just new information, oh, now that I know this information, everything can be better. It's actually implementation and requires you to actually walk some stuff out. Some very difficult things at times, but very necessary to find the freedom that you're looking for. So as I would say the same things over and over, I just I was like, I want to get this all out, wrote it all down, had uh, a couple buddies read over it, and they're like, yeah, man, you got you got the main message down, but uh, there's a couple things. One, you have shared some stuff in here that was like so vulnerable that I've only heard you share this in confidence with a couple other guys. Uh, then, then two, are you sure you want to share? That? Yeah, it was like, are you sure that this is what you, the really what you're trying to get out to the world? Because I kind of made it a basically a share, yeah. like of what I would bring to a small group. Yeah, um, and then. After that kind of conversation, I realized, oh, my goal is actually different. Now that I've got it all out, I want to make this something that's actually helpful for guys. So I had to, I essentially rewrote the entire book. And I think that was the point that I came to you and was like, okay, I'm ready to make this a thing. And we sat down and just kind of hashed out the different things. You're like, do you have this in there? I was like, no. And you're like, you probably need that in there. I'm like, Good point. So we had a number of things that we hashed out as well as the main message. Um, and then I just started writing and I did that for probably another year plus. And so the conference last year, um, was a chance for me to basically preach the book. Um, and so it's, the book is a deep dive into each of the things that I talked about. Uh, section one of the book is porn is not the problem. Uh, and to get the fundamental idea that, the addiction to porn or the use of porn, however you would label it, uh, goes deeper. The reasons behind why we go to that is not just because, well, 
naked people are fun to watch. Like it's just, it's just great. Of course. Yeah. Um, but especially when you've decided I don't want to do this, uh, and then you can't seem to stop. And so that becomes, uh, more revelate. It reveals more about what's happening internally that says I need to break my core values in order to, uh, get something. But what is it that I'm really getting out of this? It's not just, uh, you know, arousal. It's not just an orgasm if you're masturbating to it, but I'm actually getting some emotional needs met. Mm. So the rest of the book dives into the three main areas that I have found that when I address these areas, porn became the least desirable solution out of a whole host of solutions. And those three areas being isolation, passivity, and pain. And so the the book is a deep dive into each of those things and what it means to address isolation in your life, what it means to address passivity, and what it means to address pain. That's awesome. Uh, Writing a book is just on its own is such a feat Mm -hmm. and an accomplishment. And uh, man, I'm just so proud of you watching you go through that process. And you have so much to give. You know, you've been helping men become whole, live healthy, um, and, and really actually solve the real issues going on in their life for a long time. Mm-hmm. You've done that. Yeah. And so, man, it's so cool to watch you put it on, put it on paper where guys can, can actually tackle that. We're yeah. going to go through, um, again, the conversation about, uh, pornography, how to kind of, how to tackle it. Um, but we won't, we won't cover everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if guys want the full deal, they can go on to Amazon right now. Yep. They can order your book and uh and read it so awesome thanks man yeah um you said something a second ago that i want to touch on because i think that this is where a lot of guys enter into the conversation is with this idea that like i just want to stop doing porn right yeah and you've worked with guys for a very long time Mm -hmm. i've worked with guys for a very long time and whether that's on the prayer line, I see that a lot on yeah, a prayer line, totally. right? Like you'll speak or I'll speak or it happens and someone will come and just say like, would you pray for me? I'm stuck in pornography. I want to quit yeah. doing porn, you know, and which is totally like valiant and honorable yeah. and awesome. So there's, there's no slam on the guy that's like at that spot. Yeah. They're asking for help, which is a great start. It is. And I remember the last guy that, uh, that asked for prayer because he was stuck in pornography. But you you know when you say something back to somebody and you're like, ooh, I didn't know I was going to say that. Mm. I hope he's going to take it okay. <laughs> so I was on I think the, this a little more direct. Yeah. yeah. We were on the prayer lines and he came up to me. I, I just spoke and he said, hey, would you pray for me? Um, I'm struggling with masturbation. I want to quit. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will pray for you 100%. But I just want to let you know that a lack of prayer isn't the root cause for <laughs> your addiction yeah. to masturbation. Right. And I wasn't saying it in like this arrogant, do you know what I mean? Right. Which yeah. it, he could have taken it that totally. way. Like, Oh, but I wanted to, I wanted to have a conversation with him, at least start the conversation in his mind mm-hmm. that you doesn't typically happen at church. Right. Yeah. Typically we'd pray for a guy like, Lord, would you take this away? Mm-hmm. And, make him complete mm-hmm. and solve the problem that's in his life, whatever. It's a more generic prayer. Like, Hey God, would you, would you help him overcome the addiction that's in his life and bless him? And, yeah. and a guy goes away. Mm-hmm. But obviously the problem is that 
porn or masturbation isn't the problem. Right, right. So like in a deal like that, what do you typically say? Like, where do you take a guy from there? Yeah. Uh, well, I start off by saying that, um, you know, I, I have known guys that have gotten prayer and then they stopped looking at porn after that. Yeah, me too. But I've also known those guys, uh, some of those guys for a longer period of time and the things that were propping up their porn use were still there and still needed addressing. Now, thankfully, some of those guys actually began to address those things because yeah. if it doesn't manifest in porn, it will manifest somewhere else. Yeah. And so our goal is not like you and me, we don't have this big crusade like we need to get guys to stop looking at naked people doing yeah. it. Um, that's like, you know, we're, we're real big into people not doing that. It's not a, I don't, we don't want people on tombstone to say, didn't look at porn. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. it's not exciting. What we, the reason why we use porn, it's almost like our inroad to go, oh, finally you're recognizing that there's something that needs addressing. And those things, when you address those, are going to bring you a ton of life. Oh, also, you won't want to look at porn anymore. But yeah. that, so that's why we want to kind of direct away. So what I would say um, is, if you go to a mechanic and your check engine light is on, um, in the check, and if the mechanic was like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I can take care of that. No problem. And he turn he diffuses the light bulb that yeah. is in there, or he puts a piece of tape over it and goes like, I took care of the check engine light for you. Um, I think you would probably fire that guy and go like, no, I know that this light means something else needs addressed. So yeah. porn is just the check engine light. And sometimes, uh, and I get it. I was there. I was there for so long. The check engine light seems like, well, if that turns off, like if it turns on for a while and eventually turns off, we go, whew. <laughs> and that happens it's from true. time to time. It's so true. But that, that can be, that can be, you know, something else entirely. So, uh, we want the desire for sexuality and, uh, our, what we would deem as our sinful direction that we're pointing our sexuality. We want that to go away. And I just don't think that that it would be very helpful. Um, the desire for intimacy that we're looking for, the desire to feel connected, the desire to feel powerful. A lot of times porn gives us that. Yeah. The desire to um, alleviate uh, uh, emotional pressure that's built up over time to give us a sense of comfort and peace that um, it, it works temporarily. As our desire for those things are good. Um, and so I think porn the fact when we use porn, it can be a blessing that we've gone to something so painful in our lives that it has forced us to look mm. in the right direction. And so the check engine light is scary enough to make us go, oh yeah, because I know guys who don't look at porn who also are not living the life that is that Jesus paid for yeah. because they are still experiencing a lot of isolation, a lot of passivity and yeah. a lot of pain. It just manifests in all kinds of yeah. other places. Yeah, it's interesting. I was watching the show Biggest Loser mm -hmm. years ago. Yeah. And if you guys haven't watched the show Biggest Loser, it's it's basically uh, they bring in these contestants who are way overweight mm -hmm. and they challenge them and do a whole bunch of teamwork and they work with personal trainers and whoever loses the most weight is the biggest loser and they win the grand finale and whatever, million dollars and I don't know, liposuction or something like that. It's pretty cool. <laughs> pretty fun reality TV show. Uh, but I remember one specific year, there's a, a woman named Shannon who was, gosh, she's probably 300 pounds. And um, she had 
she had gone through the show and there's a certain point, right? Like where you go on their journey and you're watching like every week and you're seeing how much they're losing and Mm -hmm. they're doing all these competitions and you're, you're watching them go through like these different emotional experiences where they don't think that they can whatever run on the treadmill or which is real, right? Like that's totally So you're like so locked in and engaged with these people. And then there's a six month break where the contestants they go back home and then they continue the journey and then they bring him in for the grand finale. Mm. And whoever loses the most weight overall is the winner, right? Yeah, so yeah. you're like, you like gone through this journey with these people and then they go home and you don't see anything for a while and then they bring him back. And so when they brought her back, I think, I really do think that she started out at like two, anywhere from like two, uh, 80 to like 300 pounds, mm-hmm. you know? And when she came back, she was like 119. Oh and so goodness. when she walked out, the whole crowd went, <gasps> because she was anorexic. Oh. Hmm. And it was really interesting, right? Like it was clear. It was, it was really clear that something was wrong. Was It was like, it, it wasn't just like, oh, wow, that's incredible. Because obviously to lose... That much weight oh, yeah. is so incredible. Mm-hmm. But what happened after that is um, on the news and, and talk radio and stuff, there's some real backlash around, are we trading one addiction for another? Mm. Is that what this show is doing? Mm. And are we are we not getting to the real root of the issue, right? right. And you could clearly see like it's just as deadly and dangerous Right. To be anorexic mm-hmm. as it is to be obese. Right. And instead of giving this woman like a whole toolbox full of, okay, mm-hmm. I mean, you put on weight for a reason. Yeah. And yeah. you're looking at porn for a reason. And I watch guys do that a lot. Mm-hmm. So I watch guys trade one thing and go run to another thing. Right. Because let's be honest, like it's freaking hard. Yeah. To. It's hard to quit being passive. Mm-hmm. It's hard to build real relationship. Yeah. It's hard to work through pain. Yeah. So it's so much easier to become obsessive mm-hmm. about work mm-hmm. or to become obsessive about fly tying or what hunting or whatever it is right. that we want to, right? Right. And and start that process of like, okay, I'm not looking at porn, which is great, but I'm gonna run over here yeah. and do this thing. And because I don't actually know how to I was never given the skills, the tools, one to really figure out what's going on inside of me and and how to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the tools that I like to give guys when, uh, so like phase two for Braveco for our 12 month discipleship course is sexuality and Mm -hmm. relationships, which you know, of course, because you you teach in it. Uh, But I think the fifth video that we do, like the fifth lesson, is guys mapping their highs and their lows mm. and what happened in their life. Mm. And like, oh, it's a history. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's like map your highs and your lows for your whole entire life. What wow. were the key turning points? What were the pain points? Mm-hmm. And and then the next lesson is map out your cycles. Yeah. Right? Which is this cool process because what I found in men is, and women, but most people don't, they don't actually know what they went through. Mm-hmm. They don't true. know why they are the way that they are. Yep. They just hate 
why they are the way that they are. Yeah. They hate what they're doing. Yeah. But they haven't stopped and thought through like, oh, shoot, when I was six, I was molested Mm -hmm. or I was introduced to porn. And then when I was 10, I was having all kinds of relationships, you know, weird encounters and relationships. And you start, you put that on paper and you start to map out what did I learn here? What did I learn here? What Mm -hmm. did I learn here? Mm -hmm. What was the overall theme in my life? Yeah. How do, how do my parents relate to me? How do I relate to them? Did I bond to them? What did they think about me? And I'll tell you, like, that's one of the most revealing things that a guy could do to start to pinpoint, like, who the heck are you Mm -hmm. and how did you get here? And why do you have this, all these check engine lights coming on? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We are, uh, there's a line that I I don't know if I got it from somebody else or I came up with it, it doesn't matter, but, uh, the past is not behind us. It's inside of us. Mm, Gosh. We are a, an amalgamation of our experiences with our parents, with friends, uh, with any kind of, uh, I mean, we have lots of things that uh, are deemed traumatic growing up. And yeah. then there's lots of things that we wouldn't deem traumatic, but uh, they have such a profound effect on the way that we approach other people because of that event. Like kids laughing at you on the playground because of, you know, right. you missed, you peed your pants, you whatever. Um, that leaves an imprint and in not just mentally, but physiologically. And so when I have a good buddy who was sharing that he was at a camp um, as a kid and all week they were just having a great time. He built fr- a friendship with this group of kids and they're like running down the path one night towards the cafeteria chanting uh, the their team name like over and over. It's just having a great time. They're probably like 10 years old. Uh, and then one of them is... Uh, one of them changes the chant to say my friend's name and go, uh, he is gay. He is gay. Like, I don't know what, just goofing around, just goofing around. And, but all of them started chanting. And so what my buddy shared, uh, was that, that, you know, it was, it was a painful, like, Oh, what the heck? Uh, but eventually things were fine. And so you could look back on that experience and go like, yeah, that was unfun, but I don't know that it affected me much. However, what he began to realize is that when he got in groups of friends, friends like myself Uh, and our other friends who love him and would never like uh, treat him unkind, never intentionally, he realized he was he had become hyper vigilant in any group of friends, always wondering when are they going to turn on me. Mm. And this wasn't something that he articulated ever until he reached this point where he saw a check engine light come up in his life. And he said like, oh, I wonder what's beneath that. And just the kind of mapping that out, realized that was actually a pretty significant moment because it determined the way that I show up in safety or vigilance with other people. Wow. And so that kind of stuff, like when I would think back to having been molested as a kid, um, I literally remember saying the words, Yeah, I don't think it affected me much. And the reason I thought that was because I could think back about it and not have any emotional response. I'm like, yeah, I can remember the event. I can remember the stuff that happened. I'm like, I feel like I forgave the person. I feel like I forgave, um, forgave like the, all the things around it. However, um, I realized there was so much more involved emotionally in that moment than the molestation itself. Mm. Um, as I began to map that out in my history, as I began to do some deep dives into the areas where I'm like, why do I have these check engine lights come up? I realized, wow, there's there was a severe lack of safety that I experienced that led up to that moment mm. 
to why that moment happened, why it was allowed to happen uh, that I had never addressed and that I wow. could feel a ton of fear around when even the thought, like I would, I eventually shared this with a counselor. Yeah, it was Melissa. Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, he started asking questions. And this is where like in a small group uh, with a pastor or even with good friends, if you take time to actually dig into some of those painful areas, they can ask good questions like, so wait, why were you with that person? It wasn't it known that that person was unsafe. Well, yeah, but, and so we, as we dug in, we suddenly realized like, oh, I never should have been able to be in that environment. And I couldn't have known that as a kid, but other people could have. And so it, that it revealed how much pain I had that was surrounding the circumstance as well. Um, that I had that was like feeding into all these other areas of my life. I just didn't even know. And I, we're not, you know, when we talk about bringing up the past, we're not like go on a, you know, it's not like going to a beach. Uh, Yeah. Go on a witch hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Metal detector going like, Hey, where, where is it? Where is it? However, I do want my metal detector active so that when I step on something sharp, I'm not just going, well, hope I don't step on it again. I just, I go, Oh, I bet there's, there's some more beneath that. Cause if I can like, clean that up, AKA pursue healing. Then the people, my family, my wife, my friends walking behind me, don't step on the same stuff when they encounter me in a way that would naturally trigger that again. Yeah, it's true. You know, we, we never outgrow the past Mm -hmm. and it is, it is something that, um, is part of what makes us. And so, and if you haven't reconciled it, then you have this 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, whatever year old leading that part of your life. And telling you, giving you data on what to do and what to expect. Yeah. And I was um, thinking the other day, there's a whole bunch of men who are leading their marriage the same way that they led their relationship when they were in high school. Yeah. Yep. That kid has never grown up, mm-hmm. although they've grown up. Mm-hmm. And, and or, you know, are relating to their kids the same way that they related to their brother who wasn't fun years ago. And and there's just so many different places in us that, man, unless you really address it, unless you sit down and go, why the heck am I doing this thing that I don't want to do? Yeah. uh, You end up in life, just living a life that you don't want to live. So it's helpful for guys, you know, to kind of wrap up that first question. Like Mm -hmm. it's helpful for you to stop and go, why is my check engine light on? Yeah. Yeah. Not, how do I get it off? Yeah. <laughs> it's a better question. Yeah. Why? Yeah. What's really happening mm-hmm. inside of me? And oftentimes you have to go back to what happened in your past. Mm-hmm. Now I, the kind of thing that I've had some people push back against this with is like, well, when you got saved, like didn't Jesus take care of all that? Like, isn't yeah. that part of the finished work of the cross that is like he redeemed the past. So like, why do we, why would we, Go back and yeah, I become a new creation. Yeah, yeah, that, that's it. All things are passed away; they're gone. Don't have to think about them, worry about them anymore. So, what would your response be to somebody who's like, "Yeah, but I'm a new creation, so that stuff doesn't matter." Yeah, it, it's a it's a great um, it's a great question. The thing to me is when we come to Jesus the same way that we come to. Uh, maybe our friends with our Sunday best on mm-hmm. and our masks on mm-hmm. and the poser, right? Like yeah. you can see me, but you can't fully touch me. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really have access to complete the work that he started in you. Mm-hmm. And so our walk with God is a process, right? I think that's why Paul says like, um, 
um, work out your salvation with fear and trembling is like, it it is this process. It's not this one time event. And so I definitely think that there is available that God made available Mm. for us to have a new mind, have a new heart. And there is the grace, there's the mercy to be able to step into that. But we have to access that grace and that mercy by going, Jesus, this is who I really am. This is really what's going on. What do you see? What do you think about this? Um, These are the thoughts that are in my head. Mm -hmm. You know, um, when we get married, we have the ability to have unlimited connection Mm -hmm. with someone else and to have uh, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. It doesn't mean that when we get married that we do have unlimited connection. It means that we have the capacity to do that. And it takes, it takes me being willing Mm -hmm. to live without protection work through my pain, be an owner, have needs, show up to the relationship. And the same thing's true with God. Like we so, as people, we so want God to be responsible for our life. Yeah. It's the same as when people are praying like, God, would you bring the one to me? Mm -hmm. That one person. I would love to not have to choose that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just praying. I'm just looking for the one. And you're like, well, I don't know that, that there's a couple times in scripture where that happens, right? You have Adam and Eve. You have, um, uh, there's a prostitute in the Bible. Oh, yeah, Hosea. Yeah, Hosea, yeah. right? And he's like, you're marrying her. Yeah. That's the one right yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And a couple other places, but not many where God goes, I'm going to, I am going to choose for you the person. Yeah. Any more than you see God overtake somebody and go, I'm going to make you do what I want you to do. Right. You're going to quit porn. You're going to have a new mind. You're going to, it doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. It's God loves this process, which I think is more like Psalms 23, um, where you see this man who is all busted up and he gets laid down. Right. So he's like in this really, crappy place and God lays him down and does this restoration process. Mm -hmm. And he says like, he restores my soul. Mm -hmm. And then he, he lets that guy, he like, I would think that Psalms 23 would say like, he restores my soul. And then he leads me in the field of peace forever. But like, it doesn't, it says, and then I go Yay, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? Yeah. Like I go back into this place mm. that would be terrifying, that yeah. would be horrendous, that would be. So to me, like, if you want to access the new mind, new heart, you have to be willing to be vulnerable enough. Mm. You have to be willing to be open enough. You have to be willing to, to really come to God to the bride, mm-hmm. open and honest yeah. and transparent mm-hmm. and willing to allow him to heal those different places because God's a gentleman. Mm-hmm. He's not going to force his healing on you. He's not yeah. going to force you 
to face your fears. He's going to invite you into that any more than my wife is going to force me into deeper intimacy with her. Right. That would be a violation. Yeah. So, I mean, that's typically what I would say. You can add on to that though. Yeah. I think of it like, uh, the moment Pharaoh said, all right, take you, you're, you're free to go. They were like free. They were technically a free people. And I I think of the moment of salvation like that we actually have the opportunity, the capability to go and sin no more. Um, But the, but that implies that we go and we continue and we have the opportunity to sin. Uh, and well, we have the capability now. However, with, even with the Israelites, like they, they lived 400 years in slavery and that took 40 years to undo as a people group, the things that they learned, they didn't know how to govern themselves. They yeah. didn't, they didn't know how to separate themselves unto God and said they had orgies in the desert. Um, they didn't know how to recognize provision and said they just called it lack. Uh, and so and they should have seen a conquered foe and they saw giants. Yes. And so I think the same is true. I think that's a, a picture that I like to describe and kind of use for myself to understand, oh no, he did set us free. Like we have the opportunity to live in that freedom. Sometimes we have to unlearn some crap that we learned in slavery. It's so true. And growing up, uh, like, uh, you know, the Exodus cry group, uh, talks, has this book called raised on porn. And there, for a lot of guys, that's their, the way that they, filter relationships the way that they filter love intimacy respect um honor uh selfishness all this stuff is like so interwoven with how they experience porn because it was so yeah. um so influential for a lot of them and for some of them the only source of comfort they had in a chaotic environment and so there's a lot of unlearning that has to happen before you can start to recognize the freedom that is available. Cause it's sometimes you're like, well, he set me free quote unquote. And yet I don't feel very free. Well, we have some unlearning to do and we have a lot of healing. Like salvation is the starting point. You it's know? true. Just like marriage. I love that you said that, that the covenant, that part's done. Like you, I choose you and you choose me. Okay, great. Um, Jesus did the same thing with us. I chose you and you choose him back done. It's a starting point for this yeah. relationship. Now, how powerful am I going to be in your life? Yeah, that's that's really good. right. That's the next question mm-hmm. because covenant means I give you permission to change my mind, mm-hmm. and you give me permission to change your mind. And we come into those relationships, uh, even with with my spouse. I'm sure you do it with yours oh, yeah. with your spouse. Of like, uh, I'm not sure that I want to give you full access. Yeah. To everything. <laughs> yep. And it really is. I mean, I've been married for uh, 11 years mm-hmm. and it really is this process of working through my fears, working the bondages, right? Yeah. Working through these bondages, my, my preconceived ideas of myself, of what relationship is. I mean, I was married before. So, right. So I have this whole uh, mindset mm-hmm. just about marriage that I have to work through in and it's the same with God. Yeah. It's the same with, and I love that the Egypt anal- analogy because it really did, right? Like it, it really honestly took 40 years of going around in a circle right. to get Egypt out yeah. of the Israelites. And ultimately a whole generation had to die off, right? Yeah, which is the craziest thing, right? Is a whole generation had to die in order for the Israelites to get their inheritance. Yeah. And that is really what we see on a regular basis mm-hmm. with a lot of guys yeah. is you have this mindset, this past mindset in most, for most men, it's not their fault. Yeah. 
they weren't raised in a, in a home that set them up for success. Their brain on a, on a, uh, um, phys- physiological level is craving stuff mm-hmm. that they got addicted to before they even knew. Yep. Um, they, their coping mechanisms are super, super, uh, weak yeah. and volatile. Mm-hmm. And that was gifted to them. That is what their parents created for them right. literally. And so I like to tell guys like, Hey, listen, it's probably not your fault, but it's your responsibility. Mm-hmm. And now it's time to start to go, okay, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to partner with God mm-hmm. and get Egypt out of me? Yeah. Start to create healthy habits, mm-hmm. start to change the way I see myself, start to learn to connect with other men, start to break passivity. Yeah. Those are challenging things. Yeah. What do you feel like, um, is f- f- what do you think is, is the biggest challenge for most men when they start down this journey? Mm-hmm. Brave co man, stop what you're doing for a second. Get out your calendar and mark down these dates. June 21st through 23rd, we are having our Brave Co. Conference here in Redding, California next year. It's going to be phenomenal. So if you want to learn more about this, you can click the link in our bio, get signed up, make sure that you're ready to get impacted by God, to bond with other men, and have an incredible experience. Now, back to your episode. Uh, most commonly is learning not to do it by themselves. Uh, Um, now we've all, I think the majority of us who grew up in the church have tried accountability partners at some level at some point. Um, but it really goes beyond, I think the way that we, we have negative connotations with that now because the connotation used to be, can you work harder than me at my problem? Yeah. Like I'm going to need you to call me. I'm going to need you to Like, like, I'm your accountability partner. Right. In you want me to call you. Yeah. You want me to check in on you. Yeah. I did. If you could just like deliver some, you know, really rough gloves that I have to wear to bed so I don't jerk off every night, <laughs> that'd be really helpful. Um, and so this, this idea of accountability partners that tainted our idea of what works, like, mm. well, doing this with people doesn't necessarily work. Um, and then we get this idea that, you know what, this is a personal issue. It should be just me and God. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I want to just work this out with God. Totally. Because it, there's that, so much shame attached to it. I would really rather not anyone else. It's so true. And that has its own bondage. Yes. Yeah. I, it, it's still alone. Like just you and God is still alone and by design, like he goes, Hey, just so you know, like I, you, without me, you have nothing. You are nothing. Um, also I made all these other people because the way that I show up a lot of times is through them. Yeah. Uh, and also when you're by yourself, the lens through which you view God and how he helps and how he looks sometimes is so skewed and so tainted by your experiences growing up. We actually need somebody to go, Hey, God's actually a lot kinder than you think he is. Yeah. We need other people to interject. So I'd say the first step that is hardest for a lot of guys is to get in a group. Um, like more than just like pick an accountability partner. Yeah. I think that's the beauty of what you guys do with Braveco. Um, and what works for our group is that you get in a group of guys, um, regularly, like we're, we're meeting every single week. Yeah. Um, because one, I, I, I don't want to make this my just regular part-time job of dealing with this thing that's run my entire life. Like I want to give it a lot more than that. So weekly meeting with these guys, 
uh, and then actually sharing the scary stuff. Mm. Um, so it's that not, sounds like a blast. Oh, yeah, it's it is so difficult to share the things that you swore you would never tell anybody because you swore you would never tell anybody for a good reason. Like, like ninety five percent of the guys listening to this right now just went, hmm. Yeah, isn't there an easier way to do this? Yeah. And I even, I remember talking to uh, a group at the school of ministry at one point, talking about like the healing of past pain and trauma and things like that. And one person's question was like, do you have to always include other people? Yeah. Uh, Like, why can't it just be me and God? And the, the reason is because the root of a lot of our pain and trauma is in the isolation that we experienced in that pain. That's true. Um, like one, there's one guy who puts, uh, says trauma can be defined as maybe not like capital T trauma of abuse and accidents and loss, but like the little T trauma we experience on a regular basis. So the, uh, a good definition for that is when there was nobody to bear witness to my pain. And so most guys are sitting with this, uh, a, a whole host of experiences where they were in pain and there's nobody there to bear witness to it. And the only way to healing for those items is to have somebody step in it and bear witness to that pain. And yeah, it's in the past. Well, guess what? It's actually not in the past. It's inside of you. And so I need somebody to bear witness to the pain that I experienced at five years old. I need somebody to bear witness to the pain that I, uh, you know, all throughout growing up, I need someone to bear witness to the pain I'm experiencing today. Like I just, before coming to this, I had, uh, this, this thing, I felt a ton of sadness, felt a lot of shame and I felt, uh, I'm looking up a Bible verse. Oh, okay. Great. That's great. Um, and I, I felt all this and I felt so it felt massive and it felt overwhelming. And I reached out to my wife, uh, and was like, I feel flooded with sadness and shame. And I explained the context, uh, and her simply just being with me in that, like totally brought me to a regulated state, but also I, I truly believe because I've done this over and over and over, it didn't allow that thing to continue to build pressure because when emotion yeah. goes on process, it stays in your body and it builds pressure uh, within your system to the point where you will be sitting alone at home and going like, gosh, I'm bored. I wonder what's on YouTube. Uh, and then, you know, six hours later, you know, the greatest porn binge of your life. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, I wasn't feeling emotional before that. Yeah. Well, you actually were feeling a ton of emotion that you suppressed so well that needed an outlet that at some point you go, well, I can't be bored. I can't be alone and quiet with my own thoughts. Yeah. So I need something. And that tends to come out. You know, one of the coolest things in, in life is when you know, that you have guys mm. that are so stoked yeah. about you yeah, and have your best interests in mind, are there for you and want to do life with you. Yeah. And at our age, it's one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. Because you got a newborn and three older kids and a wife and Braveco and- And my other jobs. And, yeah. <laughs> my, this is my part-time job. You're right. My other jobs, right? Right. That that are and everyone does. Mm-hmm. Everyone's busy. Yeah. Everyone at our age is busy yeah. and doesn't have time to sit down for an hour and a half on a Monday or Wednesday or Friday or Saturday. Right. And hang out with a bunch of guys mm-hmm. and talk about life. It seems so unfun mm-hmm. and embarrassing. Yeah. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Um really vulnerable and exposing too. Yeah. 
but I have the actual, the opposite is true. Once you, uh, the, one of the coolest things is this year, um, Braveco did a long range shooting event in Wyoming mm-hmm. and we just actually finished another one yesterday Nice yeah. in, uh, Alabama. And these events are awesome. They're really mountaintop experiences, right? Like mm-hmm. these guys who have never shot a rifle before are, um, learning how to shoot out to 1200 yards and wow. ride, uh, horses on crazy terrain, do stuff that they've never done. Mm-hmm. Well, after that event, um, which is at those events in, in most guys have experienced something like that. It's really easy once like day two to like find a groove with the other guys. And it's even really easy to like open up and share something around the campfire right. that you haven't, you haven't shared in a long time. Right. The challenge with that is when I come home, it's almost like those experiences become a one night stand. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's like I had this, I met with God right? and now I'm going back home or I had this one night stand and now I'm going to go live my normal life. Well, what I did after this last, uh, event in Wyoming is I just said to the guys that were up there, I just opened it up like, Hey, I'm going to personally, um, disciple 10 guys mm-hmm. for 12 weeks if you want to. And so I had a whole bunch of guys reach out and go like, yeah, I want to continue. Like mm-hmm. I actually want to, and man, I'll tell you like, uh, so we meet Mondays from 12 to one 30. Mm-hmm. That's our time slot. Yeah. Middle of the week or sorry, beginning of the week, middle of the day. Right. And businessmen, CEOs, you know, like these guys who are busy, yeah. like they represent society's busiest. Yeah. And they have carved that time out. I have seen more change mm. in these men's lives in, than probably almost anything else I've ever done in my life. Wow. And the coolest thing is like that event was a catalyst unto yeah. this continued mountaintop experience yeah. that's been sustained. So like these guys' relationships with their wives are getting whole and healthy um, and, and to me, here's what that means. Like I can give a real example If the guy's like, well, what does that really mean? Yeah. It means that you can sit in front of your wife while she's sharing her emotions, especially about how you affected her yep. Yep. and you can listen to her. She feels known and understood. Mm-hmm. And that brings deeper connection. The but, hardest thing in the world to do. Is there anything harder? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> And, and to me, like, so that's the level uh, that is happening in those mm-hmm. groups. And at this point, I think any of us guys would give whatever amount of money mm-hmm. or time that it took to get this thing yep. that we had originally say, man, that just sounds really awkward. Bunch of guys talking about their stuff. Like yeah. the truth is, is that if you haven't ever experienced that mm-hmm. on that level, it's like, it's really hard to describe. It's like, oh, this sounds really embarrassing. And it can be at first. Yeah. It sounds really awkward. Could be, uh, especially if you don't have a good leader in the group. Yeah. But mostly what it is, is it kicks butt. Mm-hmm. Like a couple of weeks into it, you, you, you all go rise to the level mm-hmm. of the new standard. Yeah. And I know when I'm at home listening to my wife's emotions, all of those guys are doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, we're doing, we're doing this. Yeah. We're doing this. Great. And it starts this new, this brand new standard. Mm -hmm. And there's this verse that I really like. Um, it's Galatians six and it talks about a burden and a load. 
and we don't have to get into this fully because this is a completely different com- different conversation. But we were talking about how God's not enough mm-hmm. on His own. Like you don't just need God, and and here's part of why. So I'll just read it, and then we can we can talk through it. But it says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Which is this is just the coolest thing because. I love the idea of somebody's not doing good. Mm-hmm. And because I'm full of the spirit, I'm qualified. Yeah. To go, hey, bro, are you okay? Right. Like, help me understand. Because most Christians, they see someone caught in sin and we're like Pharisees. We're like, uh, you're not supposed to be doing that. Yeah. Like, what are you're horrible? We might just start a prayer chain. Yeah, you're going to hell. around them. <laughs> you're going to hell. You're doing something wrong. Right. But I love that the Bible, right, that God's heart is that you would be restored gently, mm-hmm. that you would feel so cared for Yeah. in the process. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and th- then it goes on to say, but watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Mm-hmm. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Mm-hmm. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves, right? That's the poser. Yeah. Um, Each one should test their own actions and then they could take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. And it goes on to say, for each one should carry their own load. Okay. Why I love this is because there's a difference between a burden and a load. Mm. And this load our load, us carrying our load is the thing that, so if you if you actually look up the definition for load and burden, a burden is something that if you carry it on your own, it will physically damage you mm-hmm. or emotionally damage yeah. you or mentally damage you, right? Like your trauma, your mm-hmm. past. You were not built to carry your past on your own. Mm-hmm. You weren't bu- built to carry, you know, trauma on your own. You weren't built to go through shame on your own. Right. It was actually is damaged. It's actually impossible to go through it alone and be able to handle it. Okay, great. We weren't designed for that because we're pack animals. Mm -hmm. But the burden is if I give you, or sorry, but the load, if I give you my responsibilities and you go do them, it's like living at home with an 18 year old who you're doing all his work for him. Yep. Yep. You're like, at that point, you're just ruining him. Yeah. You're not helping him. Yeah. And what I love about this is you start to realize the kingdom was designed for interdependency. Mm-hmm. And as awkward, as unfun, as busy as you think that you are, yeah, you cannot get to where you want to be mm-hmm. outside of somebody else going, hey, I'll, I'll help you carry that thing. Yeah. I got half this, bro. Yeah. You weren't supposed to do it. This wasn't ever supposed to be on. It's funny. I feel like crying just even mm. saying that. It's weird. Um, I think probably just coming off of this event, yeah. it's really fresh seeing a lot of guys carry all this stuff on their own. And then when you show up for a guy and you go, hey, you weren't supposed to go through that alone. You weren't supposed to be molested. Right. And you weren't supposed to know how to get out of it. Yeah. And then you weren't supposed to know how to rewire your brain afterwards. Yeah. And you weren't supposed to know how to set healthy boundaries and how to communicate through Like no one was supposed to do that on their own. So I hope that there's guys driving down the road right now that are like, oh my gosh, that's the problem. Mm. I wasn't supposed to know how. 
Because yeah. the Lone Ranger, that's the guy that's the poser, right? right? That's the guy that thinks that he has it all together, thinks that he know that that he knows what to do, thinks that he can do this life on his own. But the truth is, is that he's just dying alone. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're right. The way that we've done discipleship in the past, honestly, the, the other challenge that I have with it is it's been like this, hey, show up at coffee and you tell me all of your sins. Right, right. And like, who wants to do that every week? Yeah. Like that sucks. It's not fun. Not fun at all. Yeah. But when you start to do life with people, mm-hmm. when, when it goes beyond just, hey, how are you? What's going on in your life? And oh, let's do life together. Let's go hunting together and fishing mm-hmm. together. That becomes this like really life-giving uh you know, relationships. And so I think you're right. The hardest thing I would agree with you. That was the original question. The hardest thing for men is you're not going to know where to start in terms of what to work on first. Right. Cause it, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. It's the hardest thing is who am I supposed to do this journey with? Yeah. That's so good. And that's the key mm-hmm. because it, you don't fix this stuff on a, on a, on a linear path either. Right. So true. It doesn't work like that. You can only deal with like part of an issue at a time, not even like a whole issue at a time. It's like the different areas in your life that are really hurting. It's like you take one little piece of it and you work on it for a while. Mm -hmm. And then like that thing gets fixed. And then, oh, you're over here working on your marriage. Yeah. And then you get this like, okay, pretty good. And oh, you come back over here and you're working on something else with yeah. it. I mean, that is not a straight path. <laughs> totally. That's the wandering in the desert part, <laughs> it's man. It's true. <laughs> this again, even the 12 steps, people who go through the 12 steps and say A or Sex, Adi- Sex Addicts Anonymous, yeah. they'll redo steps over and over 100%. as they realize that it's needed. And this whole idea, the antidote to isolation, which is a, a main driver for most guys in their porn use, uh, is connection, is getting known. And there is not, that's a present and progressive thing that has to, you can't go, oh yeah, I got known once. It was awesome and I've been good ever since. In the same way, you can't go like, yeah, I had water like one time. It was great, uh, but I'm good to go now that that's I had true. You have to continually get known and that requires intentionality within say a week to week thing. And you know, guys will buy, I know this is going to happen. Guys will buy my book and hope that after they read it, they will be good to go and, or get something that finally does that thing. And the thing that I keep saying throughout the book is you can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. If you try, it won't work. You have to get known. You have to get known and stay known and stay known because your life is ever evolving. Mm-hmm. always evolving mm-hmm. and new things are happening and new trials and challenges. Yep. And then beyond the selfish part of I'm just focusing on me, like somebody needs you. Yeah. Which I think that's the higher level, right? Yep. Is you eventually graduate into this place where you go, Oh, these guys need me. Yeah. I have something that no one else can give to you. Mm-hmm. And it becomes now I'm, or I'm on a mission. Mm-hmm. Now I, there's a lot of purpose in that. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, uh, healthy identity in that of like, these guys really need me to show up Yeah, and I'm showing up for my wife. I'm showing up for my kids. I'm showing up for these men. I'm showing up at work. Like, okay, I'm, I am doing something that I haven't done in a yeah. long time. Like there is a momentum shift that happens oh, yeah. in men's lives when they, and I think that that's, that's when you start to realize like, oh, 
I'm getting way healthier mm -hmm. because I'm so much less focused on me. Yeah. And so much more focused on what my mission, what I'm doing. Right. And I think for me, like that's made, that's made the temptation for pornography, masturbation, uh, um, I would say addictions in general, mm -hmm. violating my conscience. That's what's made it so much easier for me is because years ago I struggled with masturbation and pornography and things like that. And what's helped me so much to go like, yeah, not worth it. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm still tempted. Right. And sometimes it sucks. Like mm -hmm. sometimes the temptation's like hardcore. I'm yeah. like, God dang, <laughs> what is happening today? Right. I need to go figure this out. Right. Uh, but the safeguard for me almost always is, oh, I have so much momentum mm -hmm. and so many people counting on me. That's not even worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, it's not a fear. Tell me if this is true. It's not uh, like you, some people could hear that and go, I'm so scared to ruin what I've got that like out of fear, I will yeah. go not, but that doesn't sound like what you're saying. No, no, for me, it's, I, I think it's like this. It's like, um, when you start to weigh it out logically, mm -hmm. when you go like, man, robbing a bank sounds pretty fun. Yeah. Well, like big payoffs. Yeah, yeah. Like minus people getting hurt. Right. Like super exciting, crazy adrenaline rush. Right. You might get away with it. You might get like crazy adventure, but the downside to that, the downside to that is, oh, you pay a heavy price for you pay, it. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody really wins. And your whole family pays a price. Doesn't that, really yeah. solve the problem. Right. And, and on top of that, like I've got this life that I need to live mm -hmm. that has so much momentum that is, is so much more fulfilling than this one little thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's, it's true for like most of our life. I, I really think that it's, you're never going to get away from temptation. Right. You're never going to get to a point where you're not tempted. Right. It, Which is what uh, our conception or idea of freedom usually is. It's yeah. like, well, if I'm free, it means I won't ever have a strong desire or temptation to, means I like, I am, you know, naked woman, like temptation free. Meaning if they walked in the room, no problem, you know? Yeah. Negative. Yeah. Not the reality. Not the reality. Yeah. yeah and I'm so glad that it specifically said Jesus was tempted in every way. Right. And I don't think we believe that. No, it's true. We totally don't. <laughs> we go like, Jesus wasn't tempted to have an orgy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was. Yeah. I mean, if he was tempted in every way, then, right. then at some point, like Jesus was walking along the shore and was like, man, I could go for an orgy today. I could make it happen. Not a good plan. Right. It almost feels weird to even say that about It feels God. real weird to say. <laughs> but that's the truth, right? Like, yeah. That is what makes what he did so powerful for us is that he was that he had to endure mm -hmm. all of that stuff and, and overcame and and it's you can even see it in the angels and this this will debunk most people and, and mess really mess them up is like a third of the angels fell mm -hmm. so the heaven is this perfect kingdom right there's nothing wrong in it no right. sickness no sin no death yeah you have everything you need. Everything's perfect. Right. And a third of the people up there are like, you know what? 
I want to try something else. I want to try something else. <laughs> yeah. I want, like, I want to be worshipped. Mm-hmm. And they decide to, like, jump off the bandwagon. Right. And so if we think that at any point in our lives, we're going to live free mm-hmm. of temptation, we have power over temptation. Right, right, right. It's a fair fight. Yeah. I have the ability to go, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. That's why it's so incredible every time my wife gives herself to me mm-hmm. is because she doesn't have to. Yeah. And she chooses me every single time. Mm-hmm. And it's why it's so powerful when the the same drive that pushes me towards my wife, like that drive, it has no direction. Yeah. Totally. I direct it. Yep. It just is on. Mm-hmm. And so I am constantly going, oh, nope, there it is. Yeah. Uh, point it over to here. Uh, take it from here and point it over here. Like right. it's a daily. Uh, and, and again, so I think I think that is the, that's the reality of like I walk around and I go, oh man, it is so worth it for me Yeah. to keep this vehicle right. on, on track. Yeah. It's so worth it for me. Yeah. I think of that scripture you prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemy. And I, I think of that in terms of what f- I think freedom actually looks like mm-hmm. is the enemy is always there. It's like right in front of me. Yeah. But I got such a good meal in front of me. I'm like, I'm not even, I don't even need to fight because I'm like, dude, this is so great what I'm experiencing. Now there there is there are points where you stop taking care of yourself, you start isolating. Yeah. And like, you know, as I having written the book about you need to be connected and not isolated, I'll still find myself at times realizing like, oh, yeah. oh dude, I just, this weekend I was sick and I had all these reasons to not be open with anybody and just kind of close off. And holy crap, the enemy, like the food in front of me, suddenly my focus was taken off of all that's available and I started, I had to fight again. Uh, and so I think of it as in like, it's always an option. Like you and me could literally pull up on our phone. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to guess that you don't have blockers on your phone that would make it impossible to look I at don't. porn. I don't put any blockers any, on phone. Any minute now, you and me could both get on our phones and access porn. However, the feast that we've been feasting on, which for us is like, I feel known by other people. Um, I have intentionally pursued things that were difficult. I am intentionally giving away things that is life-giving to other people. Man, I have so much life right now that to engage with that, it actually is gross. Like in... I just, I I don't need it. I don't actually need it anymore. I have so many other good options, even and especially when I feel tempted, because when I feel tempted, I get a chance to go, I wonder what's going on here. I'm no longer like batter and bat. I used to view my sexuality like this rabid dopamine pincher that see a girl walking down the beach and it's like, and I'm like, whoa, and I'm just like beating this dog with a newspaper. And eventually it got to this place where I'm like, the, the, you know, I'll perk my ears up and that, oh, oh, I see there's something there that was yeah. real nice. And I'm like, oh, what else do, what do I really need right now? Because that feels like really, that's really strong pull. That's my check engine. Like, going, oh man, you know, I, I felt really powerless today when this happened. I've have felt uh, lonely recently because of this, that, and the other thing. I, oh, I can bring that to somebody. And, and so my accountability, quote unquote, anymore is no longer, uh, I did or didn't look at porn today. It's here's what I'm experiencing. Here's what I'm feeling. 
you know, Dr. Glenn talks about this a lot with the connection yeah. codes, but your ability to regulate your own emotions is you're 80% more efficient at that when you do it with another person. Yeah. And so I feel so much, so known, taken care of and strong after I've connected with somebody that the, the porn and what comes after it, especially I'm like, ah, yeah, I don't need that. Yeah. I don't actually need it. Um, I love this conversation because it's, it's so practical and you just don't, you never outgrow it. Yeah. And I think my go-to when I'm in a spot where I'm super tempted is figuring out like really quick, how long has it been Mm -hmm. since I have eaten a healthy meal? Yeah. Emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, because my picture for, um, for all this stuff like temptation is if you like after Thanksgiving, we just ate Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like if I sit down and I eat Turkey, like Thanksgiving Turkey yeah, and I eat mashed potatoes and I eat whatever, like a cup full of gravy. Yeah. The greens and stuff like that. In order for me to say yes to dessert, like I have to really want it because I'm so full. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And so it's so easy to say no to dessert. Right. Like I don't eat, I don't eat dessert. Um, And I haven't eaten dessert for a long time. And it's so much easier to say no Mm -hmm. to the extra ice cream and the apple pie, hot apple pie with like there's still something in me that goes, that would be really good. Yeah. But I'm so full from dinner. It's not hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if I make sure, so this is the picture guys. If I make sure when I wake up in the morning that I eat a healthy breakfast Mm -hmm. and that I eat lunch and that I eat dinner, it's not hard for me to not binge food. Right. Or it's easier for me to not. Yeah. If I skip breakfast and I eat a trashy lunch and then by the time I get to dinner, the chances that I'm going to just eat whatever's in front of me uh, when I walk into the grocery store or it's so much harder yeah. to go, oh, no to this bag of Doritos that I could just get right now. Right. Or uh, it's so hard to be like, yeah, I'm going to have a carrot right now. Like I have to peel a carrot and I have to go. <laughs> it's like so much more work. Yeah. And so I th- like to think of it in 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 those terms, when we're talking about your appetite and your cravings and your mm-hmm. temptations, yeah. most of the time we're tempted, not because of the devil's work or because right. of like, there's all this temptation around us. Mostly we're tempted because we haven't been fed. Yeah. We're hungry. Anything. Yeah. And, and you, whether it's emotionally or physically, like I'm really tempted to, to just go drink a soda and well, when's the last time you drank water? Yeah. And when's the last time you had a good meal? Right. And What's the plan for the next meal? And and so I think that a lot of people haven't learned how to keep themselves full. Yeah. Yeah. Just in a good balanced diet. Yeah. Uh, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. That they eat a good breakfast, don't eat lunch, hypothetically yeah. speaking, and eat a crappy dinner and then wake up. And so the next breakfast they have is trash. Yeah. And they're like, God, this lifestyle is so hard. Like it's, there's so much temptation around. It's like, well, no, you're not eating. You're right. Yeah. You're, you're not eating. Right. And how you eat emotionally and mentally is it's a feast with people. Yeah. You get it's connected. a fellowship. The, yeah. the food is fellowship. Yeah. 
and you can't do that on your own. So mm-hmm. if your if your food is self-centeredness, mm-hmm. if it's isolation, isolation starving. Yeah. Isolation so starving right. that pretty soon your fellowship's going to be with somebody who is also in isolation. Right. You know, it's going to be a quick fix. It's going to be the bag of Doritos. It's going to yeah. be the girl that you didn't want to look at, all that stuff. So, you know, um, I remember a couple of years ago, I was on a vacation with my wife. We were in Hawaii on the beach. And to be honest with you, the beach isn't a place I like. I love, I love the actual beach, mm-hmm. but the beach is just a ton of work. <laughs> I mean, that's the truth for me. Totally. Is yeah. when I go to the beach, I'm just like, God dang. Yeah. And again, like part of me staying full is me communicating what's happening in real time mm-hmm. with my wife. So good. So like, I remember going to the beach and we walked on there and, and the reason why I want to talk about this stuff will be done soon. But the reason why I want to talk about this stuff is because I want to give guys a real picture of what it looks like right. to quote unquote eat Yeah. to get full. Right. So we get down to the beach and we're on vacation, just her and I. So it's like romantic and, um, I realized like, God, I'm having to work super hard mm. to not look at because it really is tempting. Yeah. You see people half naked, like that's an exciting thing to see. Right. I was created to go, wow. Yeah. And I've never met these people. So it's not like I've ever even spent my whole entire life with them. And so it's old news. Right. Everything's new news. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a new mountain to explore. It's a new fishing spot to fish. It's a new rock. Like nothing's old. Right. And so for me, I was, I'm just at a point where I'm able to go, Oh, Hey babe, the, I'm working really hard right now. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Oh, uh, working hard doing what? I'm like, there's just so much going on. There's so much temptation going on and I just don't want to be alone in it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel any shame. I want you. And I'm not even saying, Hey, something's wrong. Right, because right. nothing's wrong. Right. But I also don't want to be alone. Yeah. Because then I'm lonely. Yeah. And then I feel like I'm hiding this. I feel like, honestly, I feel like a 12-year-old boy mm. who's at the pool looking down every girl's shirt. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it feels like. Yeah. That's the feeling that I have. Right. It's like, this is way more than a 12-year-old should have ever had to deal with. Right. It, because I do think that how society like the hyper stimulation of society yeah. today. Like I don't actually feel like we were designed to go and try and fight off looking at women wearing almost nothing. Right. Right. And I'm not saying that's women's fault. Sure. I'm simply saying, I don't feel like we're supposed to mm-hmm. any more than I feel like we were created to eat bags of Skittles and have sugar the way that we have it. And <laughs> right. Like, yeah. It's crazy. Our bodies were not designed for no. that kind of input. <laughs> no. So for me to stop and just go, Hey babe, like, uh, this is a lot of work for me and her to go, Oh, Hey, whatever you need, you let me know. The truth is that's all I needed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I needed her full acceptance yeah. and love and partnership. And like, I love being with you in this moment. And then it's like, wow, I just, I just connected with you in a way that takes the, pr- takes that pressure off. Yeah. It makes the rest of my day fun. Right, right. It's worth it. It's Mm -hmm. a reminder of like, oh yeah, I will keep my attention here. Mm -hmm. This is worth it. Mm -hmm. And I think that what guys don't know 
what most guys don't know is that they don't realize how much weight they're carrying Mm -hmm. and how much fear they have Mm -hmm. of what their wife thinks of them and then how much connection they're missing out on. Yeah. And then how much life could be added to their marriage by being able to do stuff like that. Mm. And uh, I'm sure that you and Jenna have similar uh, life, but that's something that I've had to fight for and build and Mm -hmm. get through the fear of my wife being like, whoa, I thought you were a rock. Like I thought that you, right. And because then I'm just misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm back to lonely. I'm back to shame. Yeah. Like, oh, I shouldn't feel this way. Right. And I, I can't tell her and what's she going to think about me? Like I'm back to isolation. Mm Mm-hmm. So this to me, when we talked about what does it mean to have the mind of Christ, the most repeated verse in the Bible, phrase in the Bible is fear not. Mm-hmm. And what that looks like in everyday life is I am living contrary to my fear. Yeah, I'm afraid of what my wife thinks in this moment. Yeah. She needs to know what I'm thinking. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who knew that, that he was probably talking about that more than anything. Every aspect. I'm, a, I'm afraid to tell her that I feel sad right now. I'm afraid to tell her I feel lonely right now. That's the scariest thing in the world. Yeah. And the, the thing is, is if you guys, if your marriage, if you're not exchanging those things back and forth, right? if my wife can't say to me like, wow, I, I feel really lonely today. And, um, I just don't feel connected to you without me going like, Oh, tell me about that. Mm-hmm. Like I, cause I want to feel connected to you, man. Your marriage is again, it's starving. Right. And starving in your marriage is a recipe. Oh yeah. For being like ferociously hungry. Yeah. In other places. It's that proverb 27. I think it's 27 to the hungry. Anything bitter is sweet. Yeah. And uh, there's a dude guts his hand trap between a rock and a mountain uh, hiking in uh, in Utah or whatever. Five days eventually cuts his hand off in order to escape. escape. And I read his uh, memoir. And as he found this pool of water, as he was running out, he just dumped his face into it, drank. He said it was the sweetest water he's ever had in his life. And when he pulled his head up, he saw that it was brown and there was a dead bird in it. (laughs) The sweetest water he's ever had in his life. Five days. To the hungry, anything bitter is sweet. So if you're like, wow, man, I keep going back to really bitter things. Yeah, you're probably pretty dang hungry. You're starving. Yeah. And I think this is what I love. That's why I love doing this Mm -hmm. is because I think most marriages, most people, don't ever see that there's like five levels yeah. above where you could be living at. Right. And also it's so revealing to guys, this is why. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not married, like the the depth of somebody knowing you yeah. and on a regular daily basis, yeah. like it's not enough once a month to hang out with a bro. Yeah. You just can't do it. You have to eat more. Yeah. And the only reason why you don't think so is because you can't see your emotions. Mm -hmm. If you could, they would be anemic. Yeah. They would be starving. They would be deficient. Mm. And so, um, you know, most guys are walking around like that and, um, it's not rocket science. Right. It's, uh, it's intentionality. Mm -hmm. 
And it's very scary and it will require courage. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that you feel like uh, you want to touch on real quick before we end? Uh, you know, there, I, there's a lot of practical ways to stop looking at porn this week. Okay. Um, yeah, do it. That I, I mean, I put that at the end of the book because I know the temptation like is to jump there and go, let's do all this thing and ignore the yeah. things that are causing this to rise. Yeah. Um, but there some uh, very basic things. One is when you do get in a group in a very practical way, you have a sense of, some sense of being outside of yourself for one. Yeah. Uh, you have making phone calls, shooting texts out. Sure. The, the not being alone part. Sometimes what it does as you begin to say, I really want to look at porn right now. Yeah. Um, and you ask the question, you ask your own questions like what's happening. And then you start to answer that, but you share it with somebody else. It actually pulls you out of this irrational place that your brain is like the blood, all the blood flows in the wrong area of your brain. It's not in the front where you make really smart decisions. Yeah. And so one of the ways that is very helpful, if you can, if you can make yourself actually reach out to somebody is we call it play the tape where you go, Hey, let me just tell you what would be about to happen if I went down this road. <laughs> so I would be doing this. I'd click on this. It'd probably, and then cut to like five hours later. And this is me telling somebody, I, I have seen this. I've done this. This is the amount of shame that I'm living in right now. This is the conversation that I have my, with my wife. Here's how she reacts to it. Cause I've done this a million times. Yeah. Like I yeah, know how totally. this plays out. Yeah. So at the end, sometimes I get done sharing that with somebody and they're like, cool. So you want to do that? And I'm like, no. <laughs> but I also am like, Oh my God, did that really happen? No, it didn't happen. But I, I can relive that so yeah. easily. So we call that playing the tape, That's but awesome. also just taking regular emotional inventory so that the, if the train is moving hundred miles an hour, real difficult to stop, It is, but you can catch the train moving at one mile an hour yeah. when you realize that you have some pain anywhere. Yeah. doesn't matter. Low level fear, low level loneliness, low level shame. You share it, you get it out. Um, there's a lot of other stuff. Like I don't diss porn blockers at all. Cause no. sometimes you need ex, uh, external structure before you can build the internal structure up. And uh, so anything that you can do to build an external structure, like design your environment in a way that makes porn difficult to get to, yeah. because it gives you a little extra time to start accessing your rational brain. Now, you know, porn blockers have never saved anyone because we're smart and we get around them. Uh, but <laughs> do we? It, we can, we yeah. can. We can. This is it's, how you find out how creative guys are. <laughs> we're going to put a link to how to get around your porn blocker. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. Uh, but it gives you, sometimes you just need enough time to start going like, wow, do I really want this? Like just create a little space, design your environment. If you have, if you're on Instagram, like three hours a day yeah. and you're constantly having to fight off like girls in bikinis, yeah. uh, that's, 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 that's a, a bad plan, man. It's a, it's a bad plan. Yeah. So create the structures in your life that you need. That's actually going to get, make it easier for you to get connected, yeah. to access your rational brain when you need it. Um, but give yourself, like you actually can do very practical things, but the reason why we talk so long about the other stuff is because we're not interested in you not looking at porn. Yeah. We're interested in you living a whole life and not looking at porn being just one of the byproducts yeah. that come from it. That's uh, true. That's so helpful. Um, even for me, I took Instagram, a while ago I took Instagram off of my uh, dock. Mm-hmm. And moved it to like the third page. Right. Yeah. yeah. But then like just yesterday, because I did this whole event mm-hmm. and I've been thinking about doing a dopamine detox oh, yeah. for a while. And so um, going and doing this event, of course, all the guys like to set it up. It's like, hey, listen, your phone's off limits. Right. You know, don't jump on Instagram. Don't answer your, 
emails. Don't answer any texts that you don't have to. And guys are pretty good with that Mm -hmm. for the weekend. But um, yesterday I just like deleted it from my phone. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I haven't looked at it in five days. I never feel like, oh, wow, that was a good hour spent. <laughs> You're never like super built I'm up so after. stoked that I spent, and it's easy for me to like oh, spend totally. an hour on there. Right. I'm looking at everything I want to look at. Totally. Like fighting stuff and hunting stuff. Right. And, and eventually you're just like, wait, what, did I, what is my life? So <laughs> I'm having to do what, uh, what every other guy's doing as well is decide the quality of my life. Mm. And so sometimes in order to up the quality, I'm like, I don't really want to deal with that. Yeah. I don't want it in my phone for a while. It's not bad. It's We're just, just unhelpful put it here. Yeah, for what so you unhelpful. really want. So unhelpful. So guys are going to be really confused because they're going to be like, wait, I see you answer questions on Instagram. Yep. It's because uh, I have a manager for my Instagram <laughs> account. So that's helpful. Yeah. yeah. It super is. But Aaron, thank you so much for yeah, coming man. on, man. And um, I just, I love doing this stuff. We'll, we'll do it again. Um, would you pray for the guys? Yeah. And, um, yeah. I, I I don't want to make it because a lot of guys could think like, oh man, I don't even pray to to deal with this stuff anymore. But I love it when God comes mm-hmm. in and he takes a bunch of stuff yeah. away yeah, or when he gives a big breakthrough with right. a father wound. So don't misunderstand what we're saying there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would, would you just pray and, yeah. and ask God to come and, and like make it a fair fight? Right. Yeah. 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 Okay, so Holy Spirit, we invite you to the guys listening right now and women listening right now that you would come and just fill their heart with courage. Yeah. Uh, courage to step out of isolation, courage to get known in the places that um, as you think of those memories, as they come to mind, the you have this, your heart starts pounding and you have this strong desire to forget that it ever happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lord, I just ask that you would step into those memories in a way to show that you're close, you're kind, and you're not ashamed of them. Uh, and I, I just release a healing over uh, past trauma. And I ask that, Lord, you would start to pull the things that we have pushed down that you would start to pull them to the surface so that you can bring healing in connection with people. I just declare breakthrough. Like the, it is possible to level up because the Holy spirit shows up and does something, uh, and to understand that it is the beginning. Um, but it's, it is so possible. So Holy spirit, would you come just, just hit people in a way mm. that they didn't expect with your kindness, with your love, um, with your with your grace to actually take a step forward that yep. they've never taken before. Amen. Yeah, one more thing I want to pray for guys oh, too cuz I, I feel like there's probably a lot of guys that are like, man, I'm I'm having a hard time finding community or yeah. finding other men yeah, to run with and Yeah, so God, I ask that you'd bring breakthrough um mm-hmm. that men would would you you say that you put the lonely in a family. Yeah. And Lord, I ask that you would do that for men. Yeah. Um really practically uh that you that they would find men close by to run with uh, to to do life with, and Lord, that you would put the lonely in incredible families. Mm. Amen. Aaron, thank you so much for your time, man. Yeah, man. Love you, bro. Thanks for having me. Love you too. Um, and for everyone else, have an incredible week this week. Stay brave. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Brave Co podcast. If you like this podcast, would you please rate it, review it, leave us a great comment. And if you like this episode in particular, share it with your friends and family. That helps us to spread the word. Guys, stay brave. We'll see you next week.